Uh, and again, vice versa, I would be reaching out to somebody to have a conversation about patient care, what's going on with this client, and they would no longer be there, or I would get somebody else, a paralegal, another attorney, and they would be crying or telling me, you know what, I'm very sad today. You know, we had to let people go who have been with us for 20 years. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into virtual lockdown. Our country wasn't built to be shut down. This is not a country that was built for this. It was not built to be shut down. America will again and soon be open for business. Uh, very soon. A lot sooner than uh, three or four months. It's There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of, you know, wondering if you're risking your life by going to work. Welcome to the Restarting America podcast, where we talk to, uh, to business owners about how they're getting through COVID-19 and their plans to move forward as the world changes. I am Jeremy Greenberg, the founder of, of digital marketing agency in Chicago called 97Switch. Today, I'm excited to interview someone I've known for a long time, Dr. Chris Calarco. Dr. Calarco is a chiropractor and co-owner of Accident Treatment Centers, a clinical network of physicians specialized in the treatment of auto and work-related accidents. He's dedicated to a lifetime of continuing education of spinal biomechanics and musculoskeletal pathology. He also serves as the managing clinical director of accident treatment centers and understands the many opportunities and challenges associated with business ownership. He completed his undergraduate studies at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, where he received a bachelor of biological sciences with emphasis of biochemistry. He then attended the National University of Health Sciences, earning his doctorate in chiropractic medicine. We are interviewing him today because I think he has an inter interesting story as he has been able to stay open through all this as an essential business during these crazy times. I'm also fortunate to know him very well as we met in our co-working space. We worked about five years ago. So with that said, Chris, um, before, before we kind of get into uh, accident treatment centers, tell me a little bit about why you decided to become a chiropractor in the first place and like kind of what went into that decision and kind of how you got to where you are. Sure, um, first of all, thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks for the introduction, I really appreciate that. Um, so I've always wanted to help people. Um, it's something that it's always been a passion of mine and just becoming a chiropractor was something that, uh, I have an uncle who's actually a, a chiropractic physician. I took the test to become a, a DO and also a chiropractor. I had a decision to make at that time which one I wanted to pursue. And you know, I just was passionate about working with my hands. My father is in construction. Um, so I would work with him since I was a young boy. Um, and it just, I enjoy, always enjoyed the physical aspect. I always enjoyed exercise. I always enjoyed, um, training and I always enjoyed the nutritional aspect of things. So to, like chiropractic for me was a perfect fit. It was something that I could do where I could help people, um, really make a difference using uh, a lot of methods that don't involve drugs or surgery. And, um, it just really spoke to me. The fact that I could help people with my hands on a day-to-day -day and then help them using simple interventions uh, to improve their lives. So you talked about how you worked with your dad though um, is at, at working with your hands in his construction business. Did you do any other kinds of work and can you tell me about the construction work a little bit too? Expand on that? I think it's sure I mean I mean my dad's old school he's Italian uh, you know I was working with him since I was like three years old yeah, you know he's putting stuff in my hands right away. Um, he always said that he you know we would work harder for him than we did for anybody else. Uh, just because you always want to impress, you know, your family and you want to make sure you're taking care of them. 
you guys are working together as a unit. Uh, but I, I mean, I've done everything. I, I've been a server. I worked valet in Vegas. I was a VIP host in Vegas. I put myself through undergrad uh, working at uh, the Bellagio Hotel as a valet parking cars. It was a fantastic job. It allowed you to actually, um, you know, go to school during the day, work at night. It was cash based, a lot of it. Um, you know, the tips were really great. And it was a team-based approach. I mean, it was fun. A lot of the, the guys that you would work with were fantastic. And it was a good way to kind of blow off steam, uh, especially after a long day, you know, in those type of uh, pre-med classes, you know, bio, biology, biochemistry, et cetera. Uh, so but you I've done did that, you did that while you were in school? I did, yeah. But what yeah, were so. your hours like while you were in school then doing that? So I would, uh, I would always try to get classes that were staggered, um, you know, during the day, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, you know, it also depends on what was available. As you get into like genetics and biotech, some of those classes are limited in the availability. Um, and again, what, what instructor you want to take? Because some of those, especially organic chemistry, if you have a teacher who you don't understand possibly, or, you know, who doesn't have the greatest reputation, for a lot of people, it's a make or break class when you're you know, applying into graduate schools. And you want to make sure you get the correct class at the correct time with the correct teacher. So, you know, some of that was variable, but most of the time uh, I would be going to school during the day, probably around eight o'clock to three or four, uh, come home. I'd be taking breaks in between. Sometimes I'd be cutting class just to go through and actually do homework, do work. I was always somebody who, uh, you know, liked to just read the book on my own and go through and do the work and then obviously present it. And then I would work at night. So we'd normally work you know, anywhere from uh, five hours to an eight hour shift, depending on how busy it was. And, you know, with the tip based approach, when you're tip pulling too, you know, you have a group of people, if you had 10 guys on a shift or 10 people on a shift, obviously, you'd make less than if you had five. So we would really cut it back to the bare minimum, so that we would make the most per hour when it came to, uh, you know, those tips at the end of the night when you're counting up the cash. What was, uh, is there any like crazy stories that kind of made you realize like, this is a cool business to be in, in tips, but like I was ready to leave it when it was time to go. Or yeah. I mean, for me, yeah, of course. I mean, you have people there who are, who are lifers, you know, which is fine. I mean, but for me personally, it was a means to an end. Right. I mean, you don't, um, you're going to have crazy stories, right? It's Vegas. You're going to, I found people in the bushes. I've, you know, we have women come out of the hotel because you know, their husbands lost everything at the gambling table and they want you to stop them. You know, it, it just goes on and on and on, especially when you work the night shift. You know, and I used to get off anywhere between 11 and 1 a.m. Um, so you would see a lot. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, it's a, it's a means to an end. And it was a phenomenal time there because, again, it allowed you to go to school. It was pretty lucrative cash-wise. Um, and then it would allow you to uh, have the flexibility even. If I had, you know, a major exam coming up the next day, we were able to cut back. So maybe I could take that night off or maybe only work for three hours. It just it was the flexibility and the cash. And um, the experience, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. So it's not something I wanted to do forever, but again, a means to an end, it was, it was fantastic and I'm really grateful for it. And the life lessons too, I will tell you, so many soft skills that you learn just from dealing with people, different environments, especially people who are inebriated, you know, um, people come to Vegas, they lose their minds uh, when they're trying to go out a lot of times. So you're just dealing with a lot of personality types and um, you know, customer service was huge. So I think, again, I am very grateful for the soft skills that I learned in that environment because they transferred over, uh, you know, ironically to patient care, tons of different personalities, clearly a different environment, but person to person interaction, which again, it's like, you got to get the reps in. It takes time, energy, and, uh, and consistency, I think, to get used to different personality types, you know, how to approach people and things like that. So again, super grateful for that time. So let's talk about the patient care because you, you, you brought it up and um, 
what was so after you graduated you went right into patient care how long did you do that before accident treatment centers tell me a little bit about that yeah it was a roundabout path so i graduated 2010 uh, in chicago i started practicing as an associate which i wanted to do for my first year just to get some experience i worked with a great physician downtown right on michigan avenue um, right by Millennium Park, for those who aren't familiar with Chicago, which is right in the downtown area. Uh, it was a great experience clinically. However, he just was terrible. He's a terrible businessman, which a lot of doctors are. A lot of doctors are the worst business people you ever meet. Uh, the practices that really thrive are the ones where you have a phenomenal clinician, and then you actually have somebody who's got a business mind as the office manager or who's part, or if the doctor's part of a corporation where they're actually very good at the business end. So the doctor I was working for was phenomenal on the clinical side. We worked with a lot of neurosurgeons. We worked with a lot of OB-GYNs, again, just to help people with spinal issues uh, and treat them non-surgically if possible. And if they needed surgery, obviously we tried to do things conservatively and then we would send them uh, you know, off for those surgical interventions. But um, he was a great guy to work for for a year. But again, uh, when you get out of school, especially any graduate school, of course, and, and we all know this, but especially any kind of uh, healthcare, you're gonna have a, a large amount of debt um, regarding student loans if you don't have you know family capital or the financial capital yourself to really finance those so while we did I did put myself through undergrad I couldn't afford to put myself through graduate school just due to the how much it costs so um, after that year I just it was tough right you're paying 2,000 a month in student loans wow. you know we're living in downtown Chicago right I mean we know how expensive that can be uh, clearly not as expensive as like Hong Kong or San Francisco but it's it's one of the higher uh, priced areas in the United States and, um, you know, it's frustrating. So what does it look like? You're struggling on a day-to-day, -day, but you're seeing patients, you're doing what you love. But again, I knew that it was going to be a dead end. I also learned a ton that first year working with him. And I thought the edu I thought there was going to be a cap on the educational component versus the financial component. So um, I ended it after a year, moved back to Las Vegas because that's where my family, my family was originally from New York and then all moved to Las Vegas. Uh, my mother, father, brothers, uh, cousins, and stuff are in Vegas. I moved back. I'm thinking I'm going to start a practice there because I have a lot of connections. Um, but previous to that, you know, we had the economic turmoil in 2008, 2009. I had a house in Las Vegas that I was renting out while I was going to school. Uh, and long story short, due to being in school, doing to get, due to being out uh, in practice that first year, due to the, the economic loss on that house, I had to short sell it, which hurt my credit. So when I went to apply for a loan at the bank, I mean, they laughed me out of the bank, right? So I go to Vegas, I'm thinking I'm gonna start a practice and they're just like, buddy, like your credit is bad. You have the short sell on your record from the house. Uh, you're, we're not loaning you the money. So now it's like, okay, what do we do? Like I went to school all this time. Am I gonna get stuck working for somebody forever? Which could be fine for some people, but for me, it's not something I want to do. And maybe it's cause I haven't found or I didn't find at that time like the right mentor, because I also worked with somebody all through school, um, graduate school, chiropractic school. I worked at a clinic and that gentleman also, it was, uh, there just, there wasn't a financial incentive to stay. So it was a tough time. It was a really tough time. Um, I started a, I stayed in Vegas, uh, started a small business where it, I did uh, work for Nevada Energy with some variable speed motors, which were energy efficient, yada, yada, yada. The point being is that I had to adapt. I had to do what I had to do. And I was going to save money to start a practice. And I was actually applying while I started that small business for an associateship position in Vegas while I was waiting to get my license here. Um, and when I did, I met my now business partner, Dr. Fine. So Dr. Fine, do you want me to continue? Or? Yeah, I'd love to hear about this. It's interesting. Okay. So Tell Dr. me how you met Dr. Fine. That, that's, I mean, that's really fascinating. 
So I put in an application. Uh, Dr. Klein is somebody who's been in the PI work comp space for 30 years. Uh, he's got practices in Vegas and Minnesota, et cetera. Um, and he was an interesting guy. And he saw my, my resume and said, hey, listen, I'd like to meet you. We met at some small little barbecue and shop. And did you, did you, uh, did you apply? Because I know you're a partner with Dr. Fine now. Did you apply to him knowing that you wanted to try to be his partner? Or how, like, what kind of, what no, did you yes, apply I for? Just was, right, I'm in panic mode. So I start a business. It's semi-lucrative, which is good. So now What I is the business, too? I, I don't know. Well, the business, I'm sorry. The business was a variable speed motor business. So what you would do is you partner with Nevada Energy. You were a tech that would go out and actually calibrate these motors and you would get paid a decent price point per motor. Uh, and they had just started this program. So there was great incentives for the homeowners and there was phenomenal incentives for so the You were tech. doing this just to like make some money. You weren't using your, your, your chiropractic skills. No, which, well, I know. You, just, you, you, had it, you, you had to figure out a way to make it work. Had to figure out a way to make it work. So I figured, hey, I'm gonna do this for three or four months. You're not gonna lose your skills in that time. I had already been practicing for a year, uh, a little over a year at that time. So listen, I got to do what I need to do to, to, to actually- Were you scared at all during this period? Excuse me? Were you scared at all during this period? You know, in hindsight, maybe, but I was, I think I was more angry, which is funny. You know, I think I was scared, but it was like, okay, like I've given up so much to do what I want to do. I have a passion to help people. Um, you know, it took so much to get through that program and I just, like, I wasn't going to fail. I think it was more determination. I'm sure, like- it sounds great now, but I'm sure in hindsight at the time, I'm sure I was scared at some points, but I think it was just doing what you need to do every single day and, you know, trying to solve the, the, the problems of that day and making sure that you're getting the reps in, right? Every day I would do this, I would be able to save more money. Um, and it, during that time, I was waiting for my license as well. So I also knew that I wasn't going to be doing this for like a prolonged period of time. It was going to be a short duration while I was waiting for my license. So then I could then jump into practice maybe even part-time do this on the side because it was so lucrative, build up capital and then start an office. So, so then, to back so, yeah. So how so then you, so you're doing this business, you're making some decent money um, just to, just to kind of get, get through the hurdles. Right. And then you applied for something with Dr. Fine. What was that something? So I just, I sent my CV out or your, or my resume, let's say to, to a bunch of different doctors in the city. I just wanted to feel everybody out, see, you know, what kind of position they were, what kind of practice they had, start the networking process. So I just blanketed the city with so the you're looking to work for somebody. Maybe I was, um, but I also wanted to see what there was out there, what the competition was like, maybe actually work with somebody for six months to get a feel for what the, the market is, how things work. Um, you know, any blind spots that I might've had coming from Chicago to Vegas, it's a different market. And then really trying to capitalize on, you know, that knowledge and starting my own practice. Cause that was always the ultimate goal. So yeah, I send my resume to Fine, Dr. Fine. He calls me up. He's a, he's a crazy personality. Um, he's got his orthopedic diplomat. He's a very interesting guy because he's a little socially awkward, but he's extremely loyal, extremely blunt, you know, extremely to the point. Um, and he's like, hey, meet me at this barbecue shop right now. I heard, I see that you got connections with Chicago. Let's sit down and I want to talk. And I'm like, okay, it sounds like interesting. And I believe in saying yes to opportunities that potentially could be. So I sit down with him, I meet him, and he's like, look, we have a bunch of attorneys that I know throughout the U.S. that are moving into the Chicagoland area. I know you went to school with a bunch of doctors there. Um, I think we can start something that makes a lot of sense uh, regarding putting together a clinic system with quality providers uh, for, to treat this patient. So he threw, he threw your idea out the window of, of trying to start a chiropractic practice or being part of one. He kind of floated an idea of, of look, I have these connections in 
throughout the United States. There are one, there's one specifically who's moving to Chicago land. You know, do you know anybody? And started kind of feeling out what I could do. And then when I was listening to him, um, I could tell that there was an opportunity there. Uh, you know, again, at least a minor opportunity, you know, to actually get some patients who are in this niche who really need help. Because I had, I was pretty familiar with the work on PI space and it's not a pretty space, you know, for, for some clinics. It's a lot of cookie cutter treatments, um, you know, I, there was lots of room for improvement in that space when you're treating patients. So I absolutely thought it was a good idea. Um, I told them I would be more than happy to, you know, link them up with some doctors. We could go ahead and start this as long as we would be partners. Uh, and that's how it started off. I came on as the managing clinic director and um, it was tough. And, and did you, so when you managing clinic director, what does that mean when you started out? Like, so you, so he tells you to move to Chicago and you say yes. And you know, he, he says, he, he doesn't say that actually. What he says is, look, here's what I need. And I said, okay, I can deliver. So what I do is I start going to Chicago uh, two weeks at a time. I stay with a friend. I sleep on her couch. You know, I'm doing the business on the side in Las Vegas for two weeks. Then I jump on a plane, go to Chicago. Start you're doing, doing the previous business. So you're Previous business on the side. I jump on a plane. I go to Chicago. I stay with a friend. I borrow her car. I sleep on her couch. She's a, she's a dear friend of mine. Um, and I start networking. I, I went to school there. I have connections there. I start setting up meetings you know, with surgery centers, with chiropractors, with pain management physicians, um, who I feel like are quality, who I've vetted. Um, and in the beginning, it was just, it was small. It was a way to send patients to doctors who I knew were good, who just got out of school, who really needed the business, who due to the economic situation were, you know, struggling in some cases, if they didn't get picked up, you know, by some big facility and had an amazing salary. Because uh, I mean, again, we're, that much we're money a private small business. When you were making money that at this point, you, did you consider doing any of this work yourself? Because you were a chiropractor. You could have worked at one of these clinics and probably made some money just servicing this work. That's so a great you, question. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to be pigeonholed again into one location. So because you needed the money, you're like, I, I, I got I to gotta do this bigger picture thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I never really thought about it like that at the time. I mean, I did think about it like that at the time, but I guess I've never really in hindsight thought about it you know, in depth, but yes, it's exactly what happened. It was, I didn't want to get pigeonholed into one situation. I thought that it would be great if I could funnel this business off to the doctors because Chicago's so big, it might not work with just one clinic, right? If somebody calls and they need a service, they could be in, 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 in the suburbs, they could be in the city, they could be up North, they could be South and Chicago is a massive area, right? Third, I think it's the third largest city in the U S. Um, so we had to go through and have a comprehensive network. I knew that that wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I knew that I had to strategically tap into doctors that we could refer patients out to under our medical corp and really make things work. And again, in the beginning, it was just about helping people and then driving patients to these young doctors that I knew that I went to school with that really needed the new patients because they were newer into practice as well. And did you, did, was it just Dr. Fine who really explained this business to you? Or did, did you look at other businesses that were like this in Chicago or around the country? How yeah, did you I didn't know to do this. Yeah, I didn't know of any other businesses. Again, I mean, you, when you're in it, I think it's step by step by step and you don't really realize. You realize the potential, you realize what the vision may be, you know, but at the time it's like, how do I tackle this at, a at one thing at a time? So first and foremost, I need to be on the ground. Okay, I'm going back every two weeks. Second, who do I meet as far as that, that are gonna be key players that are gonna be lead dominoes that are really gonna help me expand and grow this business? What do I do to help these patients the most? Well, they're gonna need imaging centers. They're gonna need, you know, orthopedic surgeons for shoulder path off 
work. And you just go down that list. What are your needs? How do you fill that void? And you get it done. And, and that's what happened. So we went through, we linked up with, uh, you know, and they were all friends of mine because I went to school with them again. Uh, we linked up with uh, five locations initially, five different clinics that were chiros. We had a pain management physician and imaging centers and stuff there. So a patient could just plug in and all that stuff was set up if that doctor didn't have those, uh, those resources available. Uh, and then we launched. We had a big meeting at Joe's Crab in Chicago, downtown. I'll never forget it. Um, there was an attorney who attended uh, who ordered like a $3,000 bottle of wine, which is one reason why I'll never forget it, uh, because that bill was outlandish. And I'm glad that uh, I only had to pay a small portion of that being a partner, um, and especially at that time. So it was, it was actually fantastic. We, you know, again, we had some people who did website development at that meeting at Joe's. We had our first group of physicians. We had a couple of attorneys. Um, and that was the start of the entire thing. And you're off and running. And, then, and when did you d realize that it was time for you to move to Chicago and could give up on the other business you were doing? So four to six months in now at this point, I have, I'm growing capital from the side business. I am liking the direction that things are moving in Chicago. We're really starting to grow, starting to build more connections. And now after six months, I'm like, it's time to, to move back, pull the trigger, be there full time again. And that's what I ended up doing. So I go back, I rent a room uh, in the Gold Coast area of Chicago, and it's close to downtown. And I just, again, just continue to snowball the connections. Um, we start meeting more attorneys. We start meeting cab companies. We start meeting ride sharing services. Anybody that potentially could be in an auto accident or a work-related injury that needs quality care. Um, and it'd be, it's amazing when you start to actually listen, you're passionate, you want to help people. And when you start to meet quality people whose values align with yours, you know, doors start to open. And that's what happened. We had one surgery center owner in particular, the guy has been in Chicago for his entire life. He's from the South side, just an amazing human being. And he would take me around and just introduce me to attorneys and introduce me to surgeons. And um, he was probably 30 to 40% of the driver of a lot of those connections in the beginning, which was fantastic. And he, you know, didn't, he wasn't looking for anything. He was, of course, we, he wanted us to use his imaging center when possible. But the main thing is, I just think he was a good human being who's, who, you know, we got along very well personality wise, and he cared about people and cared about patients and just wanted to see, you know, a change happen from, especially in certain areas of the city, there's a lot of cookie cutter garbage treatment that happens. And, um, you know, he knew what we stood for and he really wanted to support that. So, um, well, so, so you've been in Chicago though, what were some of the challenges that you had to get it to where it is today then? So you started a small network with a couple of locations and then, and how many locations do you have now? Uh, 33. And so we have someone from four to 33 in like a six year 30, period? Yeah, so a uh, seven year period, a 33 that do chiropractic slash physical therapy. And then we have an ancillary group of providers. Uh, again, everything from imaging centers to surgery centers to pain management physicians, any type of doctor that you could use after an accident, um, we have, you know, within our ancillary network um, that we've partnered with. And, and there's any like particular, like big struggles to get from that, to those 33, those 33? Yeah, I mean, there's a learning curve with everything, right? So I moved there, I am, uh, again, renting that room, I'm going through, I'm making connections, I'm meeting as many people as possible. I also get a job as a, as a chiropractor at that time in a clinic in the area where I wanna keep my skill set. I'm there four days a week. I'm also having a hard time because, you know, you're trying to see patients all day. It takes a long time to complete files. My phone is, is, is 
nonstop because people are calling me because I'm the point person for everything. You know, you're, you're a one man show at that time. So you're back to like, you're going to school and you're working on this a night kind of thing. Right, right, right. So the first thing I learned was, Hey, I can, this is impossible. If you really are serious about growing, you know, bring somebody in who can help. Cause again, that partner, um, you know, he was good for the idea and he's a phenomenal guy. He always does what he says he's going to do, but he is not, he's, he's an ideas person. He's not somebody who's going to be an implementer when it comes to these things. Um, so I, we brought on an assistant again, that was my first assistant. She was phenomenal. Um, and really just relieved a lot of the stress, you know, made sure that then these are simple things, right? And I mean, in hindsight, it sounds stupid, but make sure that you're picking up the phone right away. Make sure you're calling people back. Make sure that you're responding to things in a quick manner, especially when it comes to patient care. I mean, no one, I didn't feel comfortable having people wait four hours for a response. And I know that doesn't seem like a long time, but with, when you're in pain, like that's, that's a long time for a lot of people. Or when you're somebody who's trying to help somebody who's in pain, that's too long. So just getting those immediate responses helped bringing somebody on board who was uh, beneficial and helping us grow. And um, again, I'm treating patients a lot of time and learning after a year in, uh, as, a, as an associate doctor that, hey, you know what? And I had a good friend who I met who actually explained to me, she was an, um, an accountant who turned into an acupuncturist. She opened a gorgeous clinic in the loop and said, look, you, she had to come to like Jesus moment for me. She just was like, you cannot continue to practice like this and grow this business and think it's going to, you know, grow as fast as you want it to. So that's when I dedicated full time to actually growing, you know, accident treatment centers. That's awesome. Good for you. So I guess the, why we're talking today though is about the pandemic and right. what happens when the pandemic started. So you've built this wonderful network, you're riding and going, you're going forward. And then the pandemic hits. Um, can you tell me about like what was your first things that have happened? Like what, what were the first couple of days that went on for you when the pandemic happened? Yeah, so the I mean every, everybody, I mean, you can all relate to this, right? I mean it's one of those things where you don't know, like you don't know what you don't know. You don't know um, exactly how it's going to evolve. Clearly, there's a fear factor there. There's uncertainty, you know. And how do you address those things? What are the action steps that you can take? And for us it was simple things like, hey, calling the referral sources and letting them know we're still open because a lot of clinics weren't open or they weren't taking non-COVID patients. Um, were some, all your clinics open? Vast majority, 80% of them were still open. They were essential services. But again, like people didn't realize that. And just, just that simple act of calling and letting them know that, hey, we're still open for business and letting them know what the plan was, that we did have a plan in place. We're following the CDC guidelines. Here's what they look like. Also, get here's what we're going to do as far as patient care we have somebody in we have telemedicine set up which was big in the beginning that was a massive selling point our business actually went up 20 or 30 percent the first two to three wow. weeks which was unexpected just because we had that telemedicine in place and because we were proactively calling people um kind of in panic mode at that time right like we don't know what to expect just letting them know we're still open. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what the protocols are. And were any of your clinics, were those people wanting to close because they were afraid for their own personal health or were they like, we got to, we got to keep going? Most of the doctors were, were not going to, you know, they were going to stay open. This is what they do on the day to day. They're taking the precautions. They understand the risks. And I mean, clearly they're a little more educated on a lot of these things. So I think that takes away some of the fear factor when you're dealing with it. Um, you know, but this is what they signed up for. So this is what they do. Vast majority of them did you know, again, keep the practice open. We had one whose family, he's from Italy, his family lives in Italy. And, you know, he saw what happened in Italy. He had a lot of family members who passed and he decided to shut down. But um, other than that, like I said, only 15 to 20% of the clinics did shut down the rest and, of the world. And when those clinics, were they, if you said you were up, were the clinics up during this period? Excuse me? Were the clinics also up during this period or were the clinics not 
doing maybe as well as you guys were doing? The clinics initially were doing, um, so initially they were doing much better with the business. And then it started to, after about a week or two, it started to, their business started to really drop off. So now most of them are at a 40, I'd say most of them are actually at like a 60 to 70% reduction. Cause now, unless somebody's in extreme pain, they're not going to come in right now. That fear factor is set in. There's more information that comes out. Uh, things are starting to lock down. You have the businesses shutting down. It's uh, people have made the decision, the cost uh, benefit ratio there um, that look, I am in pain, but I'm in, not in enough pain to address this. Now I'd rather just avoid going anywhere. So with the business significantly decreased. And what, what was that like? Did you feel any of that backlash or you, are you, is your network mostly kind of outside of that? No, no, no. I mean, I don't think I felt backlash, but what I did feel was an obligation, right? We're all in this together. We've been pro like, we've been promoting being a family. We're a team-based approach. We all are friends. We're all, you know, we work to support one another, whether it's patient care or just in general. So making sure that, and I didn't realize what a big impact it was going to have, but just calling the doctors, explaining what the scenario was for us, what we were looking to do as a business um, was really helpful. And they appreciated that because while their overall patient numbers went down for general patients, for some of these significant injuries, we were able to get them an increase in patients, which was helpful um, and actually kept a lot of them open at that time, especially given that, you know, you could initially get into a doctor's office and, you know, wait in a waiting room and there would be no cap on the number of people you could see at a given time. Now, you can't do that, right? I mean, even to get into Bed Bath & Beyond during the quarantine or after it starts to open or any of these small businesses, there's a line. You can, there's, a, there's a maximum occupancy of you know, one to three people, depending on the actual size. So you have to schedule everybody in a block. If that person doesn't show up, you've lost that hour. Now you have the doctor standing there. You've got the clinical staff standing there. Um, so it was something that was difficult that everybody had to navigate, and they were grateful that we were able to at least, you know, um, help them through that time by providing more volume to them uh, of people to help. And tell me about the other kind of people you work with. You also, you, you talk to attorneys pretty often, correct? Yeah, I'd say about half our, uh, half our business is, uh, you know, related to the legal community, just because you have people who are involved, again, in work-related accidents or auto accidents. Many of them have legal representation. So uh, the, the attorneys, I mean, they're, they dramatically decreased as far as volume, especially the first month uh, to six weeks. Some of them were down 90%, you know, which is scary wow. for them. Um, I mean, and that would hurt you hear, were they laying off people with those kind of they were laying off people right and left. So I would get phone calls where it's like, I just want to let you know, Dr. Falarco, I'm no longer with X firm. Um, it was really great to, to, to work with you guys. If you ever need anything in the future, you know, I'll keep you posted where I go. Uh, and again, vice versa, I would be reaching out to somebody to have a conversation about patient care, what's going on with this client. And they would no longer be there. Or I would get somebody else, a paralegal, another attorney, and they would be crying or telling me, you know what, I'm very sad today. You know, we had to let people go who have been with us for 20 years. So, um, you know, that's an unfortunate, a really unfortunate consequence of uh, the economic times that we're living through right now. Wow. So um, I guess with everything going on, if there's been anything that's like been inspiring to you with that you've seen from the attorneys, the chiropractors, patients, um, Dr. Fine working with him, like any kind of like standout memories or your, fa your family members like that kind of impact you? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's it's two sides of a coin, right? For every negative, you have a positive and there's, and there's so much positive. And I think it depends on what you're focused on and what you're looking on, whether it's on social media or anything else. But personally, I mean, my brother's a firefighter, just listening to the stories of what they're doing on a day-to-day -to, -day to help people 
have been ma massively inspiring. The doctors, how they were dedicated and diligent and staying open to make sure that they could help their patients regardless, um, you know, was inspiring. Uh, my team, our team, the way we came together, the way, you know, even when we had to work from home, being prepared to work from home, you know, and there's going to be hiccups. You can never account for everything. And just the way they dealt with those hiccups, one of them would wake up at three in the morning and go into the clinic when no one was there to get files and then distribute them, you know, to, to some of the people who were, um, you know, working from home who were in, on the back end of the clinical staff. So, you know, I think it's important to focus on the positive as well. And I'm really glad you uh, asked that question. And I think there was a ton of positive out there. Um, there's so many examples. Uh, again, even of patients, I would, we had a patient who came in who brought masks, who brought a, a pack of 20 masks, which isn't a lot, but that really helped, especially because that clinic was, was running out of uh, PPE. Wow. It's crazy how people are stepping up now. Oh, it really um, is. It's really, I mean, honestly, when people are, you know, backed against the wall, you see what they're made of. And um, there's just some people you wouldn't even expect. I mean, they've just done some phenomenal things that are, that are heartwarming. Yeah. So knowing that you, what you know now about everything that's gone on the last couple of months, um, and if you can like think about where you were in January of this, of 2020, and like, if you can go back to January, 2020, would you do anything different? Where, tell me where you were then and like physically maybe how the business was doing um, and some of the thoughts you had then and what you may be considered doing differently or told yourself at least at that point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hindsight's 2020. I think we did a lot of things right. I think we always have, you know, and again, we've done, we did a lot of things wrong too. Um, at that time, you know, I was developing a course for doctors that's specifically focused on this niche, how to treat them, you know, what to do. We were knee deep in that. We were expanding into new markets. Well, tell me about that course. What, what was that? What was that course? Yeah, so the course was tailored for doctors. It's a 12-week deep dive into how to treat this patient, how to network, how to market. It just showed doctors who were very, a lot of the doctors, again, were very good at the clinical side, how to go ahead and run that kind of business and add that additional revenue to their clinic stream where it's focused on, again, work-related accidents because it is a little bit different. Like the treatment's going to be the same, right? You're going to treat somebody for their injuries. However, documentation can be a little bit different who you work with on those cases can be a little bit different. So there's a lot of nuance there that the, the doctors really needed to know about that they may not have time to research on their own. So this was a 12 week course that walked them through our experience, allowed them to hit that fast forward button and really um, grow another patient niche that they could help uh, on the day to day. So, and they really teaching them what, well, some of what you do as your network. Correct. Yeah, all the lessons we've learned, right? I mean, we have 31, 30, uh, 35 locations at this point, really, that focus on this. We've trained these physicians. Um, how do we do that on a larger scale? Hence the course. Listen, we're all doing it via video. We have interviews. There's so much material. There's PowerPoint. And they can go, and there's resources that they can go through and just really on their own time, you know, um, based on what they need, what they're weak at, what they're strong at, where they focus their energy and effort, and um, how to grow their clinic. So you're going along, you're making this course, and then, so sorry for interrupting you, but continue on. What, what was, what was like the, what else was going through your head that you would tell yourself you go back in January? Yeah, so at the time we're doing the course, we're expanding to new markets. Again, expansion and just making sure we're, we're solidifying those relationships that we have, and then the world changes. Um, at that time, you know, I wish I knew how dramatically, I guess. I mean, it was on the horizon, and you hear key players in the space, uh, Michael Ulsterholm, uh, Peter Atia. You know, these physicians out there who are sounding the alarm bells about what things look like, but there wasn't enough data at that time. 
So, you know, I think, again, we got telemedicine in place. We had a team working from home. Uh, but, you know, one of our team got COVID. You know, what do you do in that case? That's something we didn't exactly plan for. Thank God they were working from home at that time. Um, but we didn't have a test for them. So we had, you know, what does it look like to order those things? I think that we were just a little bit, uh, we were prepared, but I think you can always be, I'd rather be over-prepared than under-prepared. And I think that we got by, we did a good job, but there's always room for improvement. So uh, at that time, I just really wished uh, I knew, especially for sales for the course, like the sales plummeted, right? We're selling this course for physicians during a time of a pandemic, going into a pandemic, which is when we had just opened up the sales. So, you know, did we sell a lot of them? No. Are we going to open it back up? And is it going to be a great product for later? Of course. I think it's going to bring a lot of value. But clearly, if we had known that, we would have focused our energy and efforts into other things. We would have also, I think, um, delayed moving into some of these other markets. But again, you just kind of got to do what you do. Take it as it comes. Try to be strategic and plan ahead. Um, you know, but things are not always going to be a straight line from A to B and you got to adapt. So talk about adapting. So what do you think is going to be most important for your business for the course or for uh, accident treatment centers moving forward? I think listening. I think listening to the patients, listening to the patient's needs, listening to the needs of the legal community, of our clients. And then for the course, it's gonna be the doctors. You know, What do they think of this? What is the feedback? What do we need to change? I think take the ego out of things, um, have a framework of how you think things are gonna play out like we do, but then again, be flexible and really take that feedback implement change and just try to again improve every day get the reps in and improve every day great so um uh what what do you think the next like month or quarter or year look like for your business like what is something yeah, so I, I mean, i've thought about this extensively right i'm sure you have too as a business owner um I, it's getting into those new markets at this point things are really starting to open up I, and I think a lot of us have a sneaking suspicion, given the case numbers are going up, especially in Arizona, Texas, Florida, et cetera, at this time when we're recording this, um, and given the way things seem to look like they're going to play out in the fall, given they just had a million people who applied for unemployment last week, and given those economic numbers and stuff, we really need to make sure we're shoring up our connections now, diversifying our income streams. Um, with the course, we're going to relaunch that in the summer. I think that's going to be the prime time to sell it. I think a lot of doctors are going to be going out there and want to expand their business into new niche. I also niches. I also think they're going to want, and they're going to have the time maybe due to the patient flow to actually focus on that. And then for ATC, just support our physicians as much as possible. Make sure that we are keeping our clients and our patients happy. And again, being smart and strategic when it comes to the marketing. Um, and staying lean and mean. I mean, now, in my opinion, may not be the time for us to be spending a lot of capital on, uh, on things that we're not going to see a huge return on initially. Makes a lot of sense. So any last words of advice you give to yourself or for other business owners uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think just understand that, and everybody talks about this, but failure is a chance to learn and uh, maybe not being so hard on yourself. I think it's good to be driven. I think it's great. And I'm the same way. And I, I mean, I know you are, Jeremy, where you're always trying to improve your business and you hold yourself to the high standard. Um, you know, but again, have fun, uh, focus on the details, be strategic, focus on the lead dominoes that are going to get the most effect. And, um, you know, have those person to person connections, especially in a time like now the zoom calls that I've had with some of the clients, the patients, the doctors, uh, and I'm sure you've had them as well with your clients at 97 switch. Uh, 
you can tell there's a lot of room for empathy. People want to tell their story. Everybody's had crazy experiences, family members getting sick, you know, business struggles. And I think people want to talk about that. And I think because we're so isolated right now, uh, there may not be a lot of outlets for that. So I think just listening and um, especially given the protests, given everything happening in the world, just keeping uh, your ear open and really trying to support people as much as possible. That's awesome. Thank you. We really appreciate your time. Um, really, really exciting that uh, we were able to talk to you at the beginning of, of our, one of our first episodes of Restarted America. Um, we're hoping to talk to many more business owners like you uh, to learn from them. As you said, listen. We want to listen to people as much as possible. So we're really excited to uh, keep learning and trying to figure this out all together. We're really all in this and um, as much as we're socially apart, I think we're kind of all figuring this out together. So thank you. Jeremy, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Restarting America podcast, where we just interviewed Dr. Chris Calarco from Accident Treatment Centers. Subscribe and visit us at our website, restarting-america.com.